There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Support for Armchair comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I, I got something to admit. I'm not proud of it, but when I was younger, I... I hit puberty at a, a pretty decent age. I wouldn't say anything crazy, but I saw the hairs coming in down there, and I didn't really know what to do. I didn't want to use you know, a traditional razor, so I got scissors. <laughs> and I would grab the hair on my balls, and I would like, you know, roll them up a little bit, and I'd use the scissors to cut them at the bottom. I, I didn't know any other way to do it, and that led to a lot of problems. I, I cut my ball sack multiple times. Little chunks just came out, blood. It was gross. It was a disaster. I, I quickly stopped doing that, but I wish Manscaped would have been around when I was there. They, they sent us a, a pack of their products, and I got to say, the Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's, it's a thing of beauty. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use in your balls. That's just nasty. You can obviously get a, a trimmer for your face anywhere else, but these Manscaped specifically for the family jewels, and, and that's not a lie. We, we've all used them. Chris, what do, you, what do you think about them? Yeah, I can definitely uh, 100% endorse this product. Um, used it on myself, not at any issues. And great sense. They got some ball deodorant and cologne that'll just, I mean, it'll just amaze you at how great these things smell. Yeah, so I've been putting deodorant on my balls for years now. I think it was always the way of the future, but they've they've cornered the market, so to speak, and they have ball deodorant that is, is next level, very comfortable, provides a good smell down there. You don't want any ladies to be to be surprised. But you know, the good part about me living in the country, I, I use my lawnmower two point outside. Wow. So I just go out. I don't have any neighbors, so I just let the, the hairs fly in the wind. It's it's a revelation. For the listener, we got a little special gift for you guys here. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the jobs. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off. I just screwed up the ad a little bit. Here we go. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Promo code armchair. Boys, it's Jeremy W. Miller. Neil the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh. assists. From oh, oh, oh the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. Welcome to the NBA, my friend. Turner sets the screen. Oh, Whoa, oh, oh no! Oh, oh, no. Right Don't let him throw it down like that. Victor on the deep floor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. Welcome to episode 67 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. My name is Chris Cook, and here with me, as always, my co-host Eric Hawk. Hawk, a very 
mediocre sports weekend, I would say. A lot of topics here on the books. How are you feeling uh, Monday after the hangover from uh, your sports weekend? You know, I just got to say, I went to Panda Express Sunday morning, and I just got to get this off the top right at the beginning. But we've we've entered this month or two-month period where rounding up at the checkout becomes like kosher. Everyone expects you to do it. Help this cause, help that cause, yada, yada, yada. I'm not about it. If I want to help somebody, I'll, I'll do it out of my own pocket. I don't need to be blood dry at the cash register. I, just, I think it's a waste of time. And, you know, at Panda Express, they asked me if I would like to round up to the nearest dollar amount. I sternly said no. She looked at me. She asked a second time, and I was flabbergasted she even asked. So I knew that Sunday morning that the rest of the day was just going to be hell for the Colts. And I was always nervous about that game, but you know, at least we got the Pacers. They're they're keeping our head our head level at least. Yeah, I will say I uh, am not a fan of that as well. Uh, they're taking uh, our money and then using that to just directly make a uh, contribution to these places. So by all means, donate to Riley and all these different charities, but just do it yourself. Panda Express and other places like that, you can't go really anywhere these days without them saying, do you want to round up or do you want to give a dollar to this cause? Um, so yeah, I can, I can see that. And also the Panda Express here just opened. Um, and if anybody is from the Kokomo area, uh, that listened to this podcast, the Markland mall here is an absolute, uh, shit fest. Um, the parking, the parking's ridiculous. If you want to go to the new Panda Express, you have to wait in line behind like 50 cars that are wrapped around this small ass parking lot. If you want to go inside, you have to wait behind 10 people who are, uh, deciding what they want to eat like they've never eaten at a place like that before. So very frustrating, and with the holidays coming up, I uh, I highly suggest you stay away from the Markland Mall. So that's just yeah. my, my two cents there. Anyways, um, Pacers. Pacers talk here. Uh, the Pacers have won six of their last seven games after starting 0-3 to the season. Uh, their only loss in that seven-game span was against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, the game where they had like a 19 point lead, I think it was. And then they blew it there in the fourth quarter. Also the officials kind of blew it there, uh, where the Hornets ended up shooting like 42 to 11 free throws or whatever that was. Um, most recent game was on Sunday night. They defeated the magic 109 to 102. Um, so I don't know if you, did you get a chance to watch any of this game or, uh, did you, are you kind of a box score watcher on this game? No, I watched I'd say the first half, and then I watched the fourth quarter flipping back and forth. I mean, I kind of interrupted the Pacers game a little, or the Colts game a little bit, I should say. But oh. I wanted—I didn't want to watch the Colts game. So I, I assumed I you were—I assumed you were at the Colts game. No, I uh, just all week I was thinking in my head because you know my mom went with my dad. She got to hold the flag at halftime or before the game started for the national anthems. Something they do as a season ticket holders, they got a little—I uh, don't know. They got a little something, little nudge on the the belt there for from the Colts for buying season tickets. So I didn't have a ticket. I didn't want to buy one. I didn't want to sit there and watch Brian Hoyer beat the the Colts or yeah, basically Brian Hoyer beat the Colts, <laughs> lose to the Dolphins. So I, in my head, I just didn't really want to go. I just didn't have the fire, and I I knew we were gonna lose the whole time, and, and it played out. So yeah, that's why I didn't go to the game, and it was great because I just got to watch an actual win, so that was way better. Yeah. So 109-102, uh, Sabonis in that game, Demontis Sabonis, 21 points, 16 rebounds, and 7 assists. 
Uh, for the season, he's averaging 20 points a game uh, along with 13 rebounds per game, so he's averaging a double-double there. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon in the Orlando game, 19 points, 8 assists, and 6 rebounds. Very balanced attack there. He's uh, now at 20.8 points per game, and he's averaging just under 9 assists per game, and he's currently sitting at 3rd in the NBA. Um, and then the other starter I wanted to hit on here, uh, TJ Warren. Uh, he had 19 points against the Orlando Magic on Sunday. In his last five games, he's averaging 23.2 points per game, and he's shooting 62% from the field in those five games. So uh, those are the starters that I wanted to hit on, um, and kind of we'll talk about these bench guys as well here in a minute. But what have you seen from these starters that you've enjoyed over this uh, six out of seven game span? Um, Sabonis is kind of doing what we always thought he would do. You know, when he came off the bench, he would always get big numbers, do big things. Now he's getting more minutes from the starting rotation, more center of the offense now, especially with some injuries. And he's killing it on the rebounds. I mean, seven assists last night, too. He's finding guys. He's like the complete player. I mean, he's basically becoming what his dad was, and I I love to see it. And I still think his ceiling's high. I mean, you can't tell me he's not going to get any better in this league. And especially when we're going against big centers like Drummond, Vucevic, we got – you know, wide side whenever we play Portland, Steven Adams on Tuesday night. So we're going to have somebody to counteract these guys. And he plays so damn tough. It's just fun to watch. Always loves Sabonis. Brogdon's been the pleasant surprise. This is our first recording we've had all season. So just breaking him down from the season, I'm just absolutely shocked how well he's finding people. I always knew he obviously could pass the ball, kind of the complete player. Had a couple struggles maybe last week and games we still won. So He's always looking to distribute the ball. He plays hard, no defense. I mean, he's the perfect fit. Him and Brog, or him and Oladipo, when he comes back, it's, it's going to be hell for other teams. I cannot wait. Warren, you know, I know Jake's guy, TJ Warren, he always said he's coming from the Suns, a losing basketball organization. You know, that move may, may be best for both teams. The Suns are doing pretty well. Warren's finding his groove. In the preseason, he, he lit it up, and then he started off the year kind of slow. So maybe people were out on him for a little bit, but he's just a flat-out scorer, and he's played really good defense. So something you definitely need in that rotation, and he's been healthy all year, so keep your fingers crossed because we've been battling so many injuries. But pleasant surprises all around. We're really finding our groove now. Um, What do you think about these starters? Yeah, I think the most interesting stat there for Warren is uh, 62% from the field. Uh, Pretty much just any time he takes a shot, you you have the confidence that he's going to make it, especially in these last five games. Um, And Brogdon, like you said, I mean, I expected him to be good, but he has over-exceeded my expectations. Um, He's just a great floor general out there and I'm just going to say it I mean he's going if he stays with the Pacers organization he will be the best point guard in franchise history I'm going to put that on the record right now Um, I think that he has the skills and the tools to be a better point guard than Mark Jackson Um, and the guy just can't miss from the free throw line and that's just something that you got to have he's a guy that in late game situations is going to be able to seal games for the Pacers because uh, you can count on him making his free throws, which has been a problem for the Pacers in the past. And then Sabonis, I mean, the guy is just a complete monster out there. Um, I I don't like getting into debates between Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis. I think it's a waste of time. Um, but, I mean, I think people – I've just seen people talk about it on Twitter, so I'm going to bring it up. I mean, I think that at that point we saw the – 
two of them in the first three games. It it wasn't it wasn't really working on the defensive side on the ball. Of course, they had a good game one. Uh, but if you had to pick between these two guys, and I'm not saying that you have to, but I'm just bringing up the topic of conversation. I mean, it's obviously got to be Sabonis, right? If you had to pick one of them. I mean, it's hard to say not. I mean, the sand, you know, the the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. We're five and one with them, or yeah, was it six and one now with them without Miles? Um, yeah, I think that's right. He hasn't played in the last seven one, games. You know. Didn't even win a game with them, so I mean, it's a skewed stat, not a big sample size, but the offense just looks like it looks more complete. I mean, you got a guy, and it's hard to say because Turner was shooting the ball pretty well, so you hope that he can come in, protect that rim. But you know, the facts are the facts. I don't know, and uh, I don't want to pick between the two, obviously, like you said. But I think if it was best for the organization and you could get something back, I mean. Guys move all the time. You don't want to get too attached to one guy. I know Miles Turner's been just a great Indiana Pacer, you know, a good guy all around, it seems like. A hometown hero, almost. He's, he's about to enter that status if he hasn't already. So, I, on the, just on the basketball court, though, I think you got to pick Sabonis. Yeah, I, I would agree. Not saying that, you know, that's something I want to happen, but obviously we only saw him together in three games. Hopefully when he comes back, you know, they can work things out. Um, but... I mean, I'd also like to see him probably stagger minutes as well because playing Sabonis at the five, that's where he's most natural at. Um, And kind of making Turner more of the, you know, spread the floor, you know, four on the offensive side of the ball. But it's just that defensive side of the ball when you're having Sabonis guard those fours, it just hasn't really worked out. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Turner was expected to make his uh, return back to the lineup before Sabonis actually was when he went through that injury. Uh, but apparently things haven't worked out that way. So um, talking a little bit about the bench, uh, we know how terrible they were to start off the season. Uh, the bench just looked absolutely god-awful. They kept us out of games. The Pacers starters were performing on the same level as the other team, but then the bench would come in and kind of things would just get let loose. Uh, especially in these last uh, two or three games, the bench has been very solid. And the two guys I'm going to point out, as Chris Denary referred to them as the mix, uh, one guy who we've given a lot of crap to here in the past is Doug McDermott. Um, in his last three games, he scored 19 points against the Wizards off the bench and 14 against the Pistons. Uh, he ended up uh, with 18 points Sunday night against the Magic. He's made nine threes in those games. And then T.J. McConnell, um, he scored 16 points uh, and nine assists versus the Pistons off the bench. And then against the Magic, he had 12 points and eight assists. So both of those guys um, playing very well off the bench. McConnell was a guy that we didn't think was going to get minutes. Uh, they've had to move Aaron Holiday to the starting lineup for the time being. I still think they probably lean towards giving McConnell those minutes even when uh, these guys that are injured come back. So uh, what do you think about these two off the bench? All the injuries the Pacers have had, somebody's had to step up. They don't have Jeremy Lamb in the rotation uh, and several other wing players. So what do you think about what these guys have done specifically in the past week or so? Yeah, McDermott's kind of just hitting the stride that we always envisioned he would hit. A deadly three-point shooter, a scorer. He's low-key a lot more athletic than you would think. And he goes out there, and he's, he's been playing well this year. I can't really knock him. I think he's lived up to the contract this year alone. So he's got some leeway with us for now. I mean, I'm not saying that this won't go on the decline. It, it very much well could. But so far, so good for McDermott. 
McConnell's just been a, another very pleasant surprise. A continent professional. Brings it every night, and he's got he's got that grit, that hustle. A little undersized, but you know he's very personable on the basketball court. He he's a leader, and you know he, he's taking it amongst themselves to teach some of these young guys to direct some of these young guys, especially like Aaron Holiday. I feel like when they're on the court together, it works offensively, and you might not think it would, but it somehow does because McConnell's very unselfish and he's always looking for guys. So those two particularly have been awesome, McDermott and McConnell, and then. Holiday's kind of been playing better lately. You know, he, he got a DNP earlier this year. People freaked out. Maybe Nate just sent him a little message like, hey, you know, be smart. We need you to take a little better shots. Don't force it. Get in the flow. And then Justin Holiday is the other guy. When he's on the court, you're confident. You know, he's 3 and D. He's a, a guy the other team has to look for. He seems to always be making the right play, getting steals. He's hit big shots for us already, so... Those four guys have really solidified our bench unit. And when we get fully healthy, I mean, we're going to have 10 or 11 guys that can bring it and play and, you know, get guys rest when they need it, yada, yada, yada. We're going to have more injuries, obviously. We always do. But it's it's exciting. We're deep. This is the team we kind of wanted, we envisioned that would happen, you know, something deep to compete, maybe take advantage of some other second units where we might lack. And, you know, the sky's kind of the limit. And, and I don't want to overreact because, obviously, the East – has some top tier teams that are really good and so does the west and we got it's still early yada 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 but you know just from everything i've seen lately I, i'm really impressed and i can't wait to play like a, a big matchup what do we play like boston coming up soon is that one of our games yeah well uh, i'll go over the upcoming games so we got a couple big games yeah. coming up but hold that for now um the one thing i was going to say a couple of guys who have played in a few games this year. Uh, two guys I wanted to talk about, Jeremy Lamb and uh, Goga Batadze. Uh, Lamb, I feel like, has made a pretty good impact when he's actually on the court. I don't know exactly how many games he's played, but he's a very um, he's just a smooth scorer out there. Um, I'd really like to see him get healthy, and I can't wait until like you know he's leading that second unit. Um, and then Batadze as well. He's definitely going through some rookie growing pains. You can see flashes of his potential. I think people on Twitter overreact a little bit to him and think he's like the next greatest thing. I'm not saying he isn't going to be good, but I mean, what have you seen from those guys, those two specifically, um, from Lamb and Goga that you've liked or disliked so far? The surprising thing about Gogo was didn't he have like three games with four blocks or something like that in yeah, a row? he had uh, three games in a row with four blocks. So, I mean, that alone, you know, for a rookie is impressive. Uh, he's a guy that he kind of looked lost out there his first couple games. But, I mean, this guy's, what, 18? Never played in the NBA. He, he played a competitive basketball, so he kind of figured it out quick. And I think he's he's one of those guys in that second rotation that's going to that's gonna really – we're going to need him. You know, he could play with alongside Domas. He could play alongside Miles. He can cut a little, do a little bit of everything. So he's a perfect fit in that scenario, even though it seems like we have a lot of big guys. I, I think just what he brings and his skill set is different. As far as Lamb, you know, I love Lamb. I kind of We've always kind of compared him, at least I have, Tyreek Evans. You know, if things go bad, it's just kind of like another Tyreek Evans, a guy that may not have the best body language at times, or he's not the best with the media per se, but – you know, Lamb on the court is completely opposite than what Evans was last year. So I can't be more thrilled with that either. And like I said, we're deep. 
and all these guys that can score and and you know they're competitive so i'm excited yep and a couple more highlights here from that magic game before we look at the games ahead uh, that game in Orlando broke a record for the least combined free throws attempted for both teams, and that number was 11. So both teams shot a total of 11 free throws, which is pretty insane, uh, considering just you know a few days before the Charlotte Hornets had shot over 40 free throws against the Pacers in Charlotte. So, um, and then the. There at the end too, like it was an eight for a while. Yeah, like it was gonna be shattered the record, but they got a couple late to to barely beat the record. But that is crazy. Yeah. And then the last note I had on here was T.J. Leaf. Um, I don't know if you saw that play, but he blocked D.J. Augustine, who I'm pretty sure is probably under six feet. Um, and he had the stare down at D.J. Augustine. Um, he thought he was like Dikembe Mutombo down there or something. He blocks the shot, not not hating on the block shot, uh, but then he like kind of stands over DJ Augustine and gives him this little stare down, like you know, like he uh, he wasn't like you know a foot taller than the guy or something, which I thought was pretty funny. I love it. I mean, if you're TJ Leaf, you got to get up for anything. Like your minutes are slowly depleting, slowly you're seeing it before your eyes. You got to make a statement somehow, and I guess the only way to do it is is do the stare down block. I, I respect the move. Yeah. All right, so looking at the games ahead here, um, Tuesday night at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, the Oklahoma City Thunder come to town, 7 o'clock p.m. start there. Uh, The Thunder have been struggling this year, um, but that was to be expected. On f- then they have two days off, and they play Friday night at Houston. So they play the Houston Rockets Friday night. Um, that should be a pretty interesting matchup. The Rockets are giving up a shit ton of points a game. Uh, they don't play any defense, but then on the other side of that, they score a lot of points a game. So uh, I could see that being um, being a probably maybe a blowout for the, the not in the Pacers' favor. I don't want to say that, but I just don't know. That's just going to be a tough one for him, I think. Um, Let's see. I mean, who's going to be Harden? Is it just going to be Brogdon? I mean, I would probably think that Brogdon will guard Westbrook. And then, yeah. I mean, you can't put Aaron Holiday on Harden. <laughs> no, you definitely cannot. Um, so, I don't know if they start Justin Holiday instead and put him on Harden. I think that would make sense. Um, and then bring Aaron Holiday off the bench with McConnell. Um, but yeah, that'll be a tough one. Um, Harden, I think, is averaging over 35 points a game right now. So he's still doing the same things that he does. Um, but like I said, they don't play any defense, so it should be should be pretty easy to score on them. But if they get going, I could see it being a blowout. But if the Pacers play some solid defense, I could also see the Pacers uh, eking one out in Houston. Um, Saturday night. Oh, go ahead. That's gonna that's gonna be our first real big test of the season. I think schedule wise, we've maybe played one one other playoff team. Uh, depending on what you think about the Pistons, I don't know if they're quite there, but maybe the Nets. So this might be the only playoff team we've played so far, honestly. Yeah. So it's first big test. Yeah, and they follow that up back to back game. So they play Friday night in Houston. They fly back to Indy on Saturday, and they play the Bucks. Uh, so that'll be uh, a very big game, Saturday night game at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Hopefully it's a sold-out game. I was kind of looking at ticket prices here today. Uh, they were pretty high, um, but I just saw news before we started recording. Chris Middleton is out several weeks 
for the Bucks. I forget exactly what the injury was, but he's going to miss a few weeks. So Middleton will not be playing in that game on Saturday. But unfortunate news for the Pacers is Giannis will, and I have no idea who's going to guard him. Um, yeah, that's what I'm just thinking about. We Hopefully we have Turner back, but even then I don't like that matchup. Yeah, that's uh, I, I TJ Warren. They'll pro, they'll put TJ Warren on him, and I I don't know. It's gonna be he's been. I'm not saying he's a, been a great defender, but he's obviously picked it up from his defensive days in um, in Phoenix. Um, but that's gonna be a tough matchup for him. I imagine he's gonna start off on him. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, and then Monday they play at Brooklyn again. So uh, usually it flip flops back and forth, but uh, they're gonna be playing at Brooklyn again next Monday. And then they have like a four or five day break in between that and game. So these next four games look, I mean, it's going to be pretty tough for them. I feel like I think that OKC game, that's a game that you got to win. Friday night at Houston, I'm not, not, I won't be concerned if they lose that game. Um, And then at home at Milwaukee, I mean, if you win that game, that's definitely kind of a, not a statement game there, but that would definitely be a good confidence booster that you, I mean, I understand that Middleton's out, but the Pacers are also missing a lot of guys, so I think that would be a good confidence booster for them. Uh, Brogdon going against his former team, you know he's going to bring it. So I think it's going to be a close game. I'm not saying the Pacers are going to win against the Bucks on Saturday, but I think it'll be close, and I think that Brogdon will be the main key factor behind that because I think he wants to you know, get a little revenge on his old team. Yeah, and uh, I know Stephen Adams missed his last game too, so I don't know if he's going to be suiting up for the Thunder on Tuesday night either, so it's just something else to look at, but yeah, I think two and two in this next four games, you're happy. We move on. Hopefully, we get a big win against either Rockets or Bucks, or you know, really know where we're at test wise. So that's the ideal. Yep. And I'm gonna go ahead and predict right now that Jake does zero uh, previews or recaps for those four games. So I'm putting that prediction. <laughs> Thunder preview almost done. I just need the gambling. So that's something we haven't talked about either on here. We started a website. Oh yeah. Yeah, so bornready2blog.com. We do uh, game previews, game recaps right now. Once my other job slows down, I might get back into the gambling blogs a little bit. I started off the year pretty decently and then kind of lost it, so I stopped doing those. But, you know, I might do some more. It depends. I, uh, I'm over sports after that Colts loss for now, so it's going to take me a week or so to get the, the passion back for gambling. So right now I'm just a broken man, just writing recaps and – me and Chris have been sharing those. Jake has, has written a couple, so expect that online. Bornready2blog.com. Two is a number. Um, all right, you just mentioned it, so that's going to be my last topic of this segment before we get into around the association. Uh, the Colts lost yesterday to the Miami Dolphins at home. Uh, probably their most embarrassing loss, I think, definitely of the Frank Reich era, definitely in the last couple of seasons. Um, there was no reason that this team, even without Jacoby Brissett, shouldn't be able to handle a team that wants to lose on their home field. Dwight Freeney, ring, cere- ring of Honor ceremony, all former Colts are there. They come back in just a complete embarrassment uh, that was left there on the field. I think the Colts should give out free tickets to their next home game to everybody who attended that Dolphins game and wasted their time and money. Um and the two keys, obviously, that we're going to hit on here, and you probably might have some other things, is Brian Hoyer and Adam Vinatieri absolutely suck. Can, oh can we agree on that? I think it's Hoyer. 
I don't I don't know. Um, and I'm gonna run through some some stats here for you, and then you can go on a rant if you want. Uh, but first off, on Vinatieri, I get it. I know the name the name is kept a minute. We've we've talked about it. We've heard it. We've seen it on Twitter. I mean, but it's just the guy's 46. He's an absolute shell of himself. We can keep making excuses about the laces, this or that, but the guy is missing kicks. Uh, he's missing extra points that are, you know, sh- could be should be converted 97 to 100 percent of the time. And right now he's 14 for 20 on extra points in 2019. So he is kicking 70 percent on these give me gimmies. Um, and kind of just putting that into perspective because I see a lot of people say it's not really Vinatieri's fault, and I get that. And I get that you know the Colts shouldn't be in that scenario to where they're only you know that the Dolphins are in the game, but still uh, that he's got to do his job. So uh, against the Chargers, the Colts lost thirty to twenty-four. Uh, in that game, Vinatieri was one of two extra points, and he was one of three uh, field goals. That game went into overtime. Um, so Vinatieri, you could pretty much say uh, that he was an integral part to that loss. Uh, against Tennessee, the Colts won 19-17. to uh, Mariota had the ball at the end of the game, and they had the chance to march down the field to get a field goal. Um, Vinatieri was one of three from extra points there. Colts squeaked that win out, but could have easily lost. Uh, Denver, Denver Broncos, 15-13. to Colts won that game. Vinatieri goes 0 for 1 on extra points, um, and he redeems himself for by making the game-winning field goal. I will give him a pass on that game just because he came back and redeemed himself, but uh, still they were in that situation because he missed an extra point earlier in the game. Uh, against Pittsburgh, uh, the Colts lost 26-24. to He was 1 of 2 extra points, 1 of 2 field goals, and we all saw how bad that game losing a field goal attempt was. I don't care what what way the the ball's facing. You don't miss a kick twenty yards to the left because of it. I don't feel like. And then yesterday, Miami sixteen to twelve. He was zero for one extra points, and he did make both his field goals. But the Colts couldn't go for a late game field goal to tie the game there. They had to go for a touchdown because. Uh, he had missed the extra point earlier in the game. So your thoughts on Adam Vinatieri, mine are pretty simple. I understand who the guy is and what he's done in the organization and in his career, but it's time to say enough isn't enough because the guy is, I mean, I just went through the list there, all those games that he's had an impact in. A kicker has had an impact. So uh, just let loose on, on him for a minute, please. It's hard to because – I've been saying this for weeks now. It's really not his fault. I mean, it's Frank's fault. We know he sucks. Vinatieri knows he sucks. He knows he's the worst kicker to ever play the game at this point in his career. And Reich just keeps going out there saying he's his guy, and he loves him, and he's he's so good in the locker room, yada, yada, yada. We keep hearing this bullshit. I really think it's like a back and forth with him and Ballard. I, I don't know what Ballard's ideas are or what he thinks about it, but he's the one that brought in guys you know, to kick in his replacement. There's, maybe there's not a good replacement out there, but he, he, somebody's got to be better than what he's been doing. And I just think it's really – I thought this organization was run better than this, and it's really disappointing. And the fact that people online or indie sports media was, like, criticizing people for saying we should have gave Swag Kelly a shot in that game. 
what are we talking about? They promoted him the active roster. Do they not believe him at all? Hoyer's obviously not going to get it done. Ask the Cleveland Browns. Ask anybody with two fucking eyes. Brian Hoyer sucks ass. And we put him in that game, and we let him just sit there, and we just let ourselves lose to the Dolphins. We have a kicker that sucks. We had a quarterback that sucks. You're not going to win games that way. It's sad. It's a sad state of affairs. We obviously need Brissett. Anybody who thinks Brissett's not the guy at this point can, I don't know, I mean, fuck off, basically. I mean, it's it's clear as day, and I don't understand people that say it wasn't. I mean, obviously, Hoyer didn't have any weapons, yada, yada, yada. I don't want any more excuses. Something needs to happen. We don't want to bring Hoyer back next year. I know we're probably locked into it. He's probably going to be there. I never want to see his bald ass on the, on the field again. But as far as Vinatieri, I'm over it. I mean, every game he's going to kick, we're either going to lose or win, and it's going to be because of him and – we're going to lose a lot more than we're going to win because of him at this stage of his career. We should have, we shouldn't have signed him last year. To be honest with you, he didn't have a good year last year. He's had a terrible year this year. I mean, he's three years past any form of competency. He sucks. He's terrible. He's the worst. Yeah. So Hoyer three interceptions yesterday, uh, and he did have that big interception against um, the Steelers. He had that uh, interception there where uh, Minka Fitzpatrick ran it, I think, 99 yards or whatever it was. So uh, he, he, although Vinatieri was a big part in that game, uh, Hoyer definitely uh, didn't help in that Steelers game as well. And he makes $4 million a year. So uh, the Colts have him locked in for the next uh, two seasons after this year, and they gave him $12 $12 million, $9 million guaranteed. So 75% of his contract is guaranteed. And like you said, we've seen what Brian Hoyer has done. I mean, I I, I just – the Patriots didn't even want him. They went out and got uh, Cody Kessler as their backup. That should tell you something about Brian Hoyer right there. They released Brian Hoyer. They brought in Kessler, who's an unproven player, to back up Tom Brady. I mean, Hoyer has been on so many different teams in his career. That's pretty much all he has is he's got a lot of experience – but a majority of that experience has been at sucking at what he does. He's not a good quarterback, and the fact that the Colts gave him $12 million a year and won't sign any decent free agents to put on this offensive unit, I get it. They signed Funchess. He got hurt. But if that's your biggest signing on the offensive side of the ball, you're not giving your quarterback, even if Luck was still on this team, you're not giving your quarterback anywhere to throw to. Um, And speaking of where to throw to, Eric Ebron, I mean, he can also just suck it as well. Uh, This guy goes to Reich during the week and cries about the touches he's getting his role in the offense. I get it. He's taken a step back, uh, but he's played a big part in that. I mean, he's had opportunities this season, and he doesn't catch the ball. I mean, look at the Oakland game. He struggled, and then he goes to Reich yesterday. Big momentum changer when he catches that pass in the end zone and uh, just lets it get taken away from him yesterday. That was just kind of that that momentum shifter where I kind of felt like there uh, that 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 game was you know kind of in the Dolphins' hands, um, and then he dropped. I mean, I know there was a couple of plays. The passes weren't very really uh, thrown. A couple of them weren't thrown to him well, uh, but there was a couple other passes that he dropped. So if you're going to cry about the amount of touches you're getting, uh, you have to you know make the plays, and he didn't do it yesterday. Um, and then Hoyer, the last. <laughs> The game-winning drive, or the game-losing drive, I should say, should have been game-winning drive. People are, you know, kind of putting that on the coaching staff and the plays they were calling, but Hoyer was forcing the ball to the end zone. Um, He had a lot of guys underneath that were wide open. If you looked at some of the 
uh, pictures that were online. Zach Pascal was wide open. I'm pretty sure Hines was open in one of them. Somebody was wide open, um, and they could have got a decent chunk of yards um, and set themselves up in better position. But four straight plays, Brian Hoyer, or excuse me, three straight plays, Brian Hoyer goes to the end zone, and then he decides on fourth down he's going to throw eight yards to Eric Ebron. That <laughs> just it makes no it makes absolutely no sense. Brian Hoyer sucks. Um, and I saw that they said Jacoby Brissett was 80%. Well, this is the freaking NFL. Jacoby Brissett wanted to play. I don't care if it's the Miami Dolphins. If you're 80%, you should be good enough to play. And uh, Brian Hoyer, an 80%, a 30% Jacoby Brissett is better than 100% Brian Hoyer. I would feel more comfortable throwing you out there with no reps and just saying, Hawk, make a play than I would throwing out Brian Hoyer. I mean, you could throw three interceptions, right? Yeah, I wouldn't throw to Ebron. I would just, just literally, I would just look down and I would throw to Jack Doyle and Zach Pascal all day. That would be my only options, and that's what I would continue. So they might figure me out, but I'm not throwing three picks. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bailing on the front office or the coaching staff. I think they have the right guys in place, um, but they need to do something uh, because. The uh, the weapons on offense. I mean, you know, T.Y. Hilton, he gets hurt a lot. Um, Zach Pascal's stepped up, and he's proven himself to be a decent wide receiver in this league. So I'll give him that. But, I mean, they got to do something. And then, I mean, the offensive line has just been terrible, right? I mean, they just haven't played well since the Kansas City game, really. No, they have not at all. They're like, I saw something. They're having trouble with stunts on the right side, and, we always knew Glowinski was the weak point, but Smith hasn't been able to really figure it out lately, and Kelly hasn't really had much of an impact either. It seems like they're getting a lot of their pressure from the interior, so it sucks, man. I don't know. I think we're kind of dead in the playoff race if we're being 100% honest, just because there's a lot of teams like Baltimore. They're definitely getting in. I mean, New England's definitely getting in. Houston's probably getting in over us. We have no momentum. I mean, Tennessee just had a big win. we got to play them coming up. Jacksonville twice still. Those aren't guaranteed wins at all this year. We don't really know what Nick Foles is going to do. So if I had to guess we're out of the playoffs now, I think maybe we end 8-8 eight and eight if we're lucky, but it's going to be brutal. I mean, this loss, you don't have a loss like this and then go on some run in my opinion, but we'll see. Yeah, so – uh, that's uh, it there for the Colts talk. But like you said, thank goodness the Pacers have been playing well. And hopefully they continue on that trend here for the foreseeable future. So that's going to wrap that up. And uh, coming up next, we have a message from our friends at Blue Chew. And then we're going to do some around the association. So we'll be right back after this. Listeners, let's talk about sex. S-E-X, baby, you and me, on me going down. Now, you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. If you want that, listen up right now. BlueChew.com is here, and it's ready to save your game in the bedroom. That's blue like the color, Chew.com. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. The performance is perfect. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever opportunity arises. And buddy, let me tell you, opportunity will arise at any moment's notice. Just last week I was at the bar talking to this girl. She had these nice long legs and 
you know, I kind of thought maybe this could lead somewhere. Luckily, I had a blue chew in my pocket, performed like a stallion all night, went three, maybe four hours. I didn't time myself, but it was right around that mark. Ended up just being a sweaty mess, but thank you to Blue Chew for keeping me lasting all night. I, I came a couple of times, but that's neither here nor there. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first free shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code ARMCHAIR, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. It is time for Around the Association, presented by Born Ready to Pod Podcast. <laughs> All right. I don't think the I think the listeners will appreciate that one because it's not as loud since you're coming through the computer uh, rather than uh, right in the mic's face. So um, actually, you probably you actually probably want to turn your volume up now. Okay. All right. Uh, so around the association here, uh, no edits on this podcast. So you just heard us right there telling each other to turn the the volume up on the show. But anyways, here to start off around the association, first topic, Celtics forward Gordon Hayward underwent surgery Monday afternoon to repair his fractured left hand. He suffered the injury during the second quarter of Saturday's game against the Spurs. Uh, Hayward had been averaging 18.9 points per game and 7.1 rebounds per game to start the season. Looks like Gordon Hayward cannot catch a break after missing the entire 17-18 season with that, uh, you know, that terrible injury that happened against the Cavaliers. So, what do you think about Hayward once again getting bit by the injury bug? It sucks. I mean, he's played well this year to start the year. A surprising year for some, but they usually say it's the year after you come back that you kind of get it all put together. So, sucks for him, but, you know, in reality, it opens up a an Eastern Conference, you know, all-star spot that we didn't we didn't really know if he was going to get, but I think he's in the conversation for. I think guys like Sabonis and Brogdon are too, so this could directly help one of them. So it sucks. He's not a pacer, but he is from Indiana, so you, you kind of root for him. You know, just the broken leg he had was brutal. You know, you hated to see that. But the Celtics are rolling right now, so we'll see if they really need him at the end of the day. I think they do because he's played so well. So sucks, bad situation, but... You know, it's just a hand, so that should be something you, you can definitely come back for. So, Yeah, and I'm not sure what the exact time frame on that is, but it's got to be at least a couple months. I probably wouldn't expect to see him until uh, late January at the earliest, probably February. or Yeah, probably February is a good time frame for him. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Um, a report on Friday came out regarding the status on Stephen Curry's broke, broken left hand. Uh, so another broken left hand here. Uh, the report stated that the fracture was worse than originally thought, and it is unlikely that Curry is going to play again this season. We all know that they have uh, the injury to Clay Thompson. Draymond Green's been sitting out some games here, um, and then kind of just throwing D'Angelo Russell out there with a bunch of G League guys. Uh, the Warriors, though, have since then refuted this report and said it's not true whatsoever. So... Um, you were uh, big on Curry before the season started. I had him on my all NBA first team. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case now. Um, I 
probably uh, would expect Curry to miss most of the season. I don't see there really to be any reason for him to play. I think they're going to dig themselves in too much of a hole uh, before he gets back, so I don't think it's really worth it. He might as well just take the season off and come back next year strong. But what do you think about um, about that report, if you think it's true, or uh, maybe if Curry should take that advice and miss the whole year? I don't know if he should miss the whole year. He seems like a guy that wants to play, but definitely I think maybe it's worse than I thought. Maybe they're trying to walk it back because Curry maybe said, I want to play. I don't know. It's a weird situation, but they're bad. I mean, the Warriors are bad defensively. I mean, Eric Paschal's a guy they got. Looks like he's competent. It's going to be fine. Obviously, they have injuries. Russell's kind of taken over the team and hasn't really worked that well. But, you know, if I'm the Golden State Warriors and you just lost Kevin Durant, you got Clay Thompson missing the whole year. Curry goes down. Green's hit or miss. You got a decent piece in what it looks like in Pascal, Jordan Poole, maybe. There's some pieces there still. Obviously, some really good pieces. So I wouldn't hate a tank if I, if I was them. They just opened that new arena one bad year after, what, four or five straight finals. And then, you know, with another top pick, you're reloaded, ready to go the next year. It might be the best, smartest way at the end of the day. Any fans won't, won't like it, but end of the day you want to see more titles and that might be the best way to do it yeah i think that uh full out tank by them this season and then once uh once he's able to be traded i think they should look for offers on d'angelo russell uh get some pieces for him um and then just say goodbye to this season get a good draft pick come back next year healthy so that's what it sounds like they should do all right next in pretty good shape in that scenario for sure yeah um, and like you said, I mean, you've won three NBA finals. I mean, the Pacers could win one NBA finals in my life and then never win it again. And I would be happy. So like they could lose every single season after that. It's like the Cubs, they've won a world series and, uh, in this lifetime. So it pretty much people get greedy with championships, but I'll take one and then you can suck. Um, next up in a team that has sucked here for a long time and some more mind boggling news. The New York Knicks pulled a New York Knicks move on Sunday night. Knicks management, frustrated by the team's 2-8 start, decided to go to the media after Sunday night's blowout loss to the Cavaliers at home. President Steve Mills and GM Scott Perry both addressed the media by saying they expected this Knicks team to be competitive even here early on in the season. Uh, Reports came out later on Monday that this highly unusual event was potentially a public shot at current head coach David Fisdale. Uh, Woj reported that Mills had started to lay the internal groundwork for eventual dismissal of coach Fisdale even before the Cavs loss. Um, so we even talked about it in our pre, uh, uh, preseason show about kind of the mind-boggling moves made by the Knicks this offseason. So I'm not very shocked about this start, uh, but what do you think about that? Kind of a weird scenario where a president and GM both address the media after a game. It just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I mean, Fitzdale's had no – I mean, Fitzdale gets a lot of credit for being like a good player's coach, an up-and-coming coach. This is, what, his second opportunity, and he's hasn't really done much. He's not been put in the situation that, you know, would warrant success. I mean, their roster's terrible. There's no way they actually thought they would be – good i mean rj barrett's not lebron james he's a young player that's your centerpiece and you got a bunch of big guys and frankly another you didn't even play last year most of the games so it's like 
what do you really expect? It just blows my mind. You think Julius Randle's what Kevin Garnett? Like that's not realistic. I I don't know how these people get put in power, and I, I love that it's with the Knicks because they're the biggest joke basketball organization, and there's so and so the Mecca, yada yada yada. But no one wants to go there. I, I love that they're just a pit of misery, and I hope they forever are. But to just come out and just say that doesn't make any sense. You know, and it's still early in the year. Just giving up on your team that quickly. I mean, you could go on a five, six game win streak and be right back in the hunt. Like, nothing is completely lost yet. It just shows, you know, just the ta- total lack of, you know, any brain power in New York. It's, it's incredible, really. Yeah, that's something I feel like you come out and do after you fire a head coach. I could see them firing him now and then coming out and doing that. But doing that while he's still the current coach, I mean, even as if I was in Fizdale's shoes, I just wouldn't trust trust them or my job security at this point. So it's definitely going to cause some tension uh, between him and the management. And then also you have James Dolan, who's in charge and does a really shitty job at his job. Um, And yep, they're just a big cluster and I don't see anything changing for them. They make a lot of moves that don't make a ton of sense. So a couple more here and then we'll wrap it up after a minor off season surgery and missing the first 10 games of the season. Pistons forward Blake Griffin is set to make his NBA debut Monday night for the Pistons. Uh, the Pistons started the season four and six without him, and most notably, uh, we're talking about this most notably because they played the Pacers three times, beating the Pacers two out of three times in those games. I, for one, actually forgot that Blake Griffin was on the Pistons several times in these first ten games span. Uh, so my next question, I mean, really doesn't have much make much sense for the NBA aspect. But what do you think Griffin's return is going? To, how will it impact this Pistons team, um, who have played formidable against the Pacers and are currently four and six? Do you think Blake Griffin's going to make a difference for this team whatsoever? Oh yeah, he'll definitely make a difference. I mean, his biggest problem is just staying on the the court. I mean, last year he took the huge jump in shooting threes. I mean, I remember I went to the game. I went to one of the Detroit games at home last year. It was a blowout, but just he would step back and hit. A, he had like three or four threes that game. It's like holy shit! I didn't. Blake Griffin never does this, so he's he's evolving. He seems like a good, funny guy, and he got a raw deal in L.A. But I think he's still got it when he's healthy. It's just the health is the only issue, and the Pistons are going to be. They already beat us twice. We know what they are. They can get hot. We they present a lot of matchup problems for a lot of teams with Drummond and. Griffin, the spacing may not be 100% like perfect when he comes back, but I mean they were a playoff team last year, and I think if Rose comes back fine, they're a little better team than they were last year. So that's what I think. Yep. All right, last one here, the most interesting topic here of the week in the NBA. Um, Miami Heat guard Dion Waiters experienced a panic attack yeah. on the team's charter flight Thursday night after consuming a THC-infused edible, sources told ESPN. Waiters received medical treatment after the plane landed in L.A. and was listed out for Friday night's game against the Los Angeles Lakers. The Heat have since decided to suspend Waiters for 10 games without pay, citing conduct detrimental to the team. This is now Waiters' second suspension of the season. Thoughts on when you read this? I will admit I read the original report and I thought it was from that Sports Talk Barry guy or some random thing I was trying to troll. It had said that uh, Deion Waiters had consumed too many gummies and was going to be out of the game. No real clear identifier that the gummies were filled with pot, but 
Um, what are your thoughts when you saw this story and the ongoing saga that this has become? Yeah, this is incredible. I mean, this was originally reported by a guy named Andy Slater. I don't know if you know that who that is, but he's, he basically tweeted update from his original, uh, his original tweet is a Miami Heat player had a medical emergency on the flight from Phoenix to L.A. on Thursday night, according to sources. Heat spokesman told me the team cannot comment due to medical laws, yada, yada, yada. Tweeted an update. Dion Waiters is the Heat player who had a medical emergency on the team plane. Waiters overdosed on gummies, source say, and he was passed out when the plane landed. Had a seizure when he finally woke up, I'm told. Waiters is listed tonight. Out tonight with an illness. Got the 10-game suspension. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I don't know if you've ever taken an edible. Have you ever taken an edible? I have never tried one, no. So this, these things get out of hand. They get out of hand quick. Like you, if someone ever offers you an edible or you're ever in count, somewhere where it's legal and you may be thinking about buying one, take these things cautiously. I mean, Deion Waiters, he's probably done them before. He probably did way too many just to pass out. It's a long, I don't know, it's probably not a long flight, but it's still a flight. Some guys get anxious on flights, yada, 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 but... It's pretty funny at the end of the day. I mean, the guy had a seizure from just being too high on the plane. And, you know, if he's doing it, he's probably not the only guy on the team doing it. and Not the only guy in the league, which I think marijuana maybe, you know, it's got some benefits to pain management, yada, yada, yada. I'm not a huge advocate necessarily. I'm just, my experience with edibles has been, you know, terrifying at times. So they're definitely the hardcore end of the, the marijuana spectrum. So just incredible story. Yeah. And, uh, guys, 10 games without pay, and the Heat really can't trade him, I'm reading, because he's, uh, I don't know, it just hurt their salary cap, and they wouldn't be able to really sign anyone after they cut him. So he's kind of stuck there in a real awkward, weird situation. I don't think it's that big of a deal at the end of the day, but it is presenting a strange distraction you don't see. So Dion Waiters, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and I, I did read uh, you had made the comment there about uh, other players on the team doing it. He actually got these from another player on the team, and he is ref- he is refusing to snitch on that player. So I think the league got in contact with him and tried to figure out who he got this from, and he refused to tell them or the Heat who, uh, who gave him the edible. So shout out to Dion Waiters there for not snitching on his teammate. Uh, the true definition of a teammate there, but yeah, very strange story, especially when you read that he uh, was he was out due to eating too many gummies, especially when you don't have any context to that. Uh, eventually, you could put two and two together and figure that out, but uh, I hate flying. Who's I, the player? Yeah. Who's I, the player you think that gave it to him? Oh, I would probably say, you know, I'm 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 going to I'm going to say it was it was Jimmy Butler and here's why. I'm going to say it was Jimmy okay. Butler because Jimmy Butler just came back from his injury or not, excuse me, not injury. He, uh, he, uh, he had a kid. Um, and, uh, he just came back and I think Jimmy Butler has probably played a few games here with Dion waiters to start the season. Uh, you know how Jimmy Butler is. He probably thought that waiters, you know, was slouching off and wasn't very, wasn't the type of guy that he wanted out there on the court with him. So maybe he sabotaged him and said, yo, look at this. I got some new gummies. Uh, this is the shit right here. And, uh, he gave him, he didn't tell him like the, uh, I don't know what's the word for it, but he didn't tell him how strong they were, um, or anything like that. And, you know, maybe waiters had two or three 
and you know he was just out. And so maybe maybe Jimmy Butler sabotaged Dion Waiters here and gave him too much pot in these gummies just to get him off the court and suspension suspended. So maybe a, a little conspiracy theory there. I love that. I mean, I think you nailed it to the the T. I'm not even gonna try to to blame anyone. I think it's undoubtedly Jimmy Butler. I'm sold. Yeah, if I had to go with a sec- second option, I'm going with Kelly Olianic. Uh just because he looks like a hippie. Yeah, he's got the hippie vibe. He does pot on the reg. Uh, he's smoking probably before games. He's smoking in the off season. Uh, he's got a tie dye shirt on. He's just he's he's in the '60s. So yeah, he would be my number two. But that Jimmy Butler conspiracy that makes a lot of sense to me because if there's one player on the team you don't want to throw under the bus, it's Jimmy Butler. Just because uh, you know he'll he'll probably come to collect his uh, his payment from you or whatever the case may be, but I wouldn't I would put my money on Jimmy Butler just for that that uh, that storyline. So well said. Yeah. All right. So that's gonna wrap up this episode of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. We had actually taken a little hiatus there, but. Um, like Hawk said, he's finishing up farming and all this other good stuff. Um, so we should be back on our regular schedule here coming up. Um, and then also like he had mentioned earlier, born ready to blog.com. The two is the number two. Um, we've been posting on there for close to a month now. I think, uh, we started maybe not exactly a month, but we started, uh, doing posts. Uh, we're doing previews of Pacers games and recaps. Uh, Hawk's also doing those betting, uh, betting articles as well and then some random articles here or there um it's actually uh been a been a lot more fun than i imagined it to be um because i mean we're not we're not english people um we don't really care about spelling or anything like that but it's kind of just fun just to throw out your thoughts out there and not care if really about any grammatical or uh, grammar errors so um Go check that out. Support us. Um, we've actually gotten – I've checked the hits on it, and we've actually gotten far more hits than I had expected us to get at this point. So uh, for those of you that are regulars on the on the website, keep checking it out. We appreciate it. Um, and if you haven't checked the website out yet, bornready2blog.com. The two is a number. So that will wrap up this episode of the podcast, and we will be back soon, hopefully – after a good week from the Pacers. So you guys take care, have a good rest of your week, and we will see you soon. Later.